0: You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwarzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge... Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. We teased last time that we'd be talking about a tech stock in the second part of this week's podcast, one that's held up amidst the sector-wide sell-off in 2022 and the back half of 2021, and if anything, one that has been able to rise to new heights. That stock is Juniper Networks, a dot com blow up that has slogged along without much progress or growth for a decade or so. But that's starting to change. The company is positioned to benefit from an upgrade cycle, and a recent acquisition offers investors an upside kicker. And it still trades at a reasonable valuation. Again, like last time, I have some questions for Akram about his thesis and some thoughts being exposed to peers or somewhat adjacent companies. So we get into all of that, along with a quick tech history lesson to wrap things up. This episode was recorded last Sunday, though if anything, it's holding up more as Juniper has risen through the first four days of the week as I record this intro, while the Nasdaq has sold off. Anyway, nothing on this is investment advice. Akram is long, Juniper, Zoom, and Twitter. I am long, F5,
1: VMware, and a little bit of Twitter. Here we go.
0: Let's go to Twitter is ironically because of this bump. It's up something like I have it up in a tab. It's something like 4.3% for the year, all of which just about came since Elon entered his stake. It was down more than 20%. Another, the other tech name we're going to talk about is, as far as I can tell, down 1.6% for the year, which in the tech sector is pretty solid. And that's close to its recent highs in any case, which is Juniper Networks, which is a name that you've had in your portfolio for a few months now. Juniper's, speaking of the old dot-com era, was one of those earlier wireless networking companies and sort of part of that, that yeah. phase in the market. What's uh? I guess let's just keep it simple. What's the story here? What 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 are you? What brought you to and has kept you in Juniper this year?
1: Oh well, I mean, I got into it at the end of last year, and I guess uh, what do you want to call it? the The main motivating driver behind the position was I was looking for, I was looking for a stock uh, in tech. With an attractive valuation, somewhat reasonable, that I expected to grow in 2022 versus 2021. So and not, not so, a hangover story. Yeah. So like an acceleration in 2022. Against the curve, yeah. Uh and uh that could do this really with uh what's the word? Uh uh kind of an upgrade cycle dynamic so like you you go through these periods in uh in the hardware space where everything kind of gets uh you know re-rated because you're experiencing uh you know a one-time boost in demand and like that's essentially what we were kind of focusing on right like an upgrade cycle. Uh, I don't know if you if you've if you've invested in the networking space, like networking kind of was front and center with the capex that's coming out of cloud, right? Uh, things that had happened. Like if you kind of looked at it from a COVID standpoint, right? Like you had the acceleration uh, story for everybody else in terms of. I mean, it's same thing in cloud. Right Usage goes up, everybody goes online, uh, and then you fast forward, you know, several years later, uh, and you now have to upgrade all your infrastructure, right? Like usage patterns changed in terms of the Internet, bandwidth, etc. So with everybody working from home.
0: So they're, they're benefiting from sort of just this step change in compute, compute and network and all these other things that require bandwidth, require so on. And there, I saw they, they're not, they grew six and a half percent revenue last year. First time in a while that they've um, grown revenue meaningfully, like they're you know they've been kind of stagnant for a while. You're saying that. I mean, this is a company that's essentially been flat for a
1: decade. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. It's based the the number it posted last year was just about in line with 2013. So, what's still driving is it just that the cycle is still going in terms of this re reequipping, sort of restocking capex cycle, or what is what
1: is how is it
0: it had one great year for the first time in a while why is the second one
1: i wouldn't say it's a great year right but look juniper has been like the last time anyone really was hyped about juniper like like were the late 90s okay mm-hmm. so uh, unlike cisco you know it didn't really come out of let's call it the you know 07 era to 2012 with the uh, its own with with a transformation, right? They've acquired poorly, and I've gotten into that, so like I mean if you want to think about it, like they spent almost five billion dollars on netscreen in 2004, right, in the security appliance market, and that ended up being a pretty big market, but it didn't really work out for them they so had that's it- like that's half that's that's half their enterprise value 17 years ago. So, I mean, this is a company that, from a revenue standpoint, is essentially flat over a decade. you your
0: part, part of the story, I think, um, I've got your thesis up somewhere, but is that they're starting to acquire better, at least, is part of it as well.
1: Yeah, I saw, look, I didn't factor that in. When I was looking at Jennifer, Right, I, there's been secular headwinds for them in the care, service provider market. Big carriers, think telcos, okay, and that's been a structural headwind, you know, because that's been their bread and butter. I mean at the same time, like they have been the leader in that space without question, right, and that's allowed it to like be a company that has been flat and not in a secular decline, right like it just didn't disappear right so they've all th- 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 their technology has been very good. And I mean, those are pretty sticky customers, but the reality is between consolidation and you know reducing capex, like it's been a it's been a shrinking market for them. In the branch and campus, right? Like they missed that. Like let's say you know circa oh uh, five to two thousand ten, Cisco really ended up dominating that. They have like four percent market share there, versus like sixty percent plus for Cisco.
0: Where does Arista fit into this picture?
1: Because there- Arista is, you know, the dominant player in uh, in hyperscale, right? So, like, that's where they've done an exceptional job. Their CEO has been very good at it. She has good relationships, uh, but like, they're not really, you know, like they're essentially a company where, like, your, you know, Microsoft capex changes, there's a big change to guidance. Microsoft sneezes; right? they get a call for sure. So that's been kind of the story there. They're obviously looking to diversify. Look, everyone in this space has kind of been looking to diversify, but but I, like you know, not to, to, to get away from the scatterbrain element, I was looking at this as the networking space has a boost, okay? And by the way, it's very visible. Order growth started exploding you know, in the back half of last year. Order growth has been way in excess of revenue growth because of the supply chain, right, for everybody. So- People can't, you know, enterprises, hyperscale, everybody, like you know, is constrained really, just like at the same time as you get excited about semiconductors. Essentially, all networking is boxes of silicon. Right. So, if like you're excited about if you're excited about semi demand, uh, and and capex spend, you know, at the cloud providers, and you don't want to pay, for, you know, a ridiculous multiple like Arista. Right. You're going to start looking at Cisco, Juniper. Uh, even extreme network, you know, other names in the space, right? And that's where it, like kind of was, like uh, got me looking back at Jennifer again. I mean, I have not been long. This like I shorted this stock a couple times, you know, between 2010 and 2015. It also had an activist period where Elliott got involved. It's had you know a whole history of you know potential M&A back when it was trading in the teens, you know, like the usual type of stuff for a stock like this, right? Like, what are you going to do with this thing? How do you turn this company around or do you sell it or take it private or whatever? So like, when I came to it here, I was like, Oh, okay. It's relatively cheap. You know, it was like, I started looking at it around 24, $25, but you know, by the time I pulled the trigger, it was closer to 30, but I was basically thinking, all right, you've got two things that have happened. One, uh, Carriers are going to have to spend some money because, based on the way networks have changed and the way uh, internet usage has changed by being more distributed and more metro and whatever, right? And you have an upgrade cycle coming up, okay? And you have 5G, right? So you have this shift to 400 gig, which is like a refresh, you know, in the big customers which is always a good spot to be in, as particularly if it's been delayed a year or two more than it should have because of COVID, right? So it, it, you're going to get it, like, really, what do you want to call it? Bunched in, as you've seen with, with, with the orders. You have excitement about 5G, which applies to a bunch of names. And you had a reasonably valued stock, right? Like 10% free cash flow yield. Like, you don't need much to move the needle if it starts to grow a little bit again. And that was the thinking. And by the way, it's kind of really like it was tipped off in terms of the order and backlog growth, right? You know revenue is going to grow. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. So like that was kind of that was kind of the basic thesis to buy the stock. But in in doing my work on it, I started getting more excited about the y market, right? Which has not really been a thing for Jennifer. They just entered it, really with uh, the missed acquisition, okay? And as I spent time there, you know, I was like, whoa, they actually have a home run. Like, look, management is always gonna talk up something, like right when, but like, in this case, you are able to vet it. So like, if you talk to them, they're just like, you know, we're winning, we're crushing, we're winning 80% head to head versus Cisco, right? If not, if not more. And you're gonna be like, all right, I mean, what management team doesn't seem to say that <laughs> at some point? But once you start really talking, like I, I actually had uh, like good insight into Cisco's success in that market because you know uh, I had a friend who worked at uh, at Meraki for a while, so I know how good Maracay has been, right? So Cisco buys this company in 2012 for like, you know, what was it? It was doing like 75 million in revenue, and they turned it into a, a two billion dollar business. Right in like five years, huge success story, right for them, and you don't really hear much about it because I mean that's you know in the greater scheme of the, uh, the Goliath that is Cisco, you know two billion two billion in revenues, isn't jumping off, j- jumping off the page at you. But the guys who actually led that acquisition are the are the founders of Mist. So these are you know two ex Cisco guys, and. uh they end up, you know, acquiring Maracai when they're at Cisco and integrating it, and then leaving and starting Mist. Good, good. So uh, that, it's, a, uh, it's a it's yeah, a Zoom ahead.
0: story, and it's almost a mini Zoom story again.
1: Yeah, and and look, the abstract acquisition, you know, uh, is ex-Arista folks, right? I mean the. The backer of that is uh charted who's you know invested in arista google and amongst other things and uh and a former arista executive so uh you you ended up spending some time on it and like uh, yeah, they're winning you know i mean like whether or not it's that much better than what Cisco has to offer is debatable, but they've wrapped it in this kind of uh you know, cutting edge AI thing. Gartner is now eating that up. They've got them as the leader, and uh, I mean, you got you know Amazon, Walmart, Target, you know, all deploying on um, MIT, right? Like these massive uh, wireless de- deployments. And like, it seems like the customers do like the little bit of you know automation input. I don't really know whether like they need the the AI assistant Marvis, uh, but overall uh they're very happy with with the few things it does from a software standpoint, you know uh, to assist the network administrators right and like that's yeah, I mean like that's uh, a market where like you like they can grow this into a multi billion dollar uh, uh, revenue opportunity and it doesn't look like there's any reason to believe they can't because uh, they're winning nonstop here, and I've been tracking this very closely in terms of like checks and you know, like I talk to people in the space, and uh, I'm always following the Reddit threats on 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 the networking where it's like, hey, switching to Mist, uh, you know, need to switch off Morakai, right? Like, what are my options? And you know, 15 different people are like, well, I switched to Mist, and here's why. So and like that's kind of been steady. So like, once you added that in there, uh, you know, I, I like I ended up making it the 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 top position. Because I was like, all right, and I'm, I'm essentially I'm essentially paying what is the equivalent of uh uh an eight to ten percent, you know, a twelve month forward free cash flow yield for this. And they're gonna start going growing from like, you know, three, four percent to probably double digits, right? Like north of 10. Okay. Margins are gonna expand. So like you're gonna go from i think they're 16.9% percent non gap operating margin last year like they're they're committing to 100 basis points this year in, in expansion but like you can you can walk through and then say like this is this is heading to 20 over the next uh 3 years and uh yeah like maybe you do a, a, an 8 to 12% revenue tagger, right like that's a good investment you know uh, and it was also one where you're just like, I don't have to deal, like we, like we said, with the COVID-related stuff. So two, two
0: sort of quick questions on this. One was or one quick and one maybe more fundamental question. You mentioned backlog, and I, I remember seeing, so I still own, looking towards, I'm closer to exiting than not my position in F5, which we talked about a couple summers ago now. But they had a big issue, even though my thesis was their transform to software, their historic load balancer hardware had a lot of demand, but also supply chain. And so when you say backlog, I'm just curious, I think you mentioned, I I know you said something about read-throughs to Juniper, but, but like how much has that so far, I guess they haven't reported their Q1 yet, but... How, how oh, I mean Juniper a did
1: report the Q they did report the Q4, like, you know, what was it uh a week after F five had warned. Right. And F five really kind of attributed it to so like I had done checks in early December and F five attributed it to the end of December. Right. So and they ended up taking down their guidance based on that. So there was a concern then that maybe uh Juniper had seen something, you know, get worse in the supply chain in those, you know, last two weeks or three weeks of the quarter, uh, and that ended up not being the case. Right? They actually took up their guidance. Uh, not that, like, I mean, they've been very clear that they're facing the same challenges, but mm, I think overall the business is, you know, like I think management manage, uh, managed managed uh, the guide uh when they did q3, like they lowballed it without question. I mean they told you they really kind of lowballed it. That was kind of the appeal, right? They're saying at least this much. So they set themselves up to go up. Uh and they did exactly that. Right. So like, you know, they went from mid-single, you know, to high single. And like you probably need to be thinking that like they can the, the the revenue numbers will look like higher double digits by by the end of the year. Although at that point, you're probably going to start looking at orders and people, I mean, if the stock was to get really overheated, uh, because everybody's been reporting order book growth, like maybe some focus would shift to that, because it would be more leading. And I think with supply chain and uh,
0: Well, I uh, that's now you're, you're watching also to see you don't have the same sort of random spike in revenue, right? Orders, once you
1: know if it's going to. Sustain. Yeah, but they've been breaking that out, right? So, like, they tell you, like, well, here's what normalized looks like to us. Like, they're they're breaking it into what they actually think is organic. So, I think they've done a good job with that. And, like, that's why you should think about it as, like, you know, a company that's going to grow, uh, you know, 8, 10, maybe a little bit more percent over the next two years.
0: Now, that's... So, the other... Sort sure, of more fundamental question. We so when we talked about Twitter, we talked about market environment changing. Junipers, in terms of relative performance, obviously definitely hung up against tech quite nicely. Uh, do you think about that? Worry about that? Or like factor that in the broader? Has it has the move the move in the bogey and the sort of general market value? Starting to cheap to, to be something you think about, or you still think there's it's still pretty. I mean, if you're because I think I guess your thesis listening to you and also sort of rescanning your piece, it's sort of there's the baseline upgrade cycle story, which is attractive, and then you have yeah, that's the what upside off. That, that's
1: that's your essentially your cover for the next two years, right? They still have headwinds in automated WAN. Okay. Like there's no denying that there are carrier service providers. Going to more commodity solutions, okay I mean, and there's no denying that Arista has aspirations to compete with them more directly. Uh, they have aspirations to compete with Arista more directly, right like they did call it a big hyperscale order win on the last quarter, uh, which you know for these companies now are big movers in their uh, cloud ready data center business, which is where they've stuck Abstra in. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of things going on here, right? The software transition that everybody gets, you know, focused on. Like, I'm kind of surprised people don't look at this and just say, look, I mean, if you like infrastructure as a service, networking is is part of cloud infrastructure, right? And, uh, you know, if you've got these companies that are transitioning to that and you're just going to be paying them a subscription to access the software to manage and, you know, handle your network, I mean, like, that's where it's headed, right? I mean the idea with this, with the soft with 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 the software tools is that you have to spend less on network administrators right although it doesn't seem really clear that that, that turns out to truly be the case but uh it, that's the argument really you know in terms of the future but I mean like they they are a company that was like 10% let's call it software revenue Cisco's been over 30 uh I think last quarter they were like Jennifer was up to 17 and like, that's going to continue to grow. Right. Like that's a, as a mix of the overall pie, particularly with the the success that they've had with Mist, Right. I mean, Mist really starts off as, you know, you buy in these wireless access points and ultimately, you know, you start picking up the add-ons, uh, you know, assurance and then, you know, Marvis and then analytics, right. Like, the, that's that's their path for the upsell, and they're kind of like looking at they're taking kind of an opposite approach with appstra in this intent based you know the self driving network management uh, for cloud ready data center because it can actually run on top of Arista and Cisco hardware, which those companies' operating systems can't they can't run uh, they can't run on the uh, on, let's call it, uh, essentially making the, the underlying, uh, the commodity, the the uh, network gear, the switches under the hood, uh, vendor agnostic. So, I mean, like, that's like the growth uh, sexy side of it, right? And, the, and this was not what you were counting on, but like, that's actually what's kind of added into where like, all right, I can see the like, multiple expanding gear and if they really dominate in this space, them taking all this market share from Cisco in uh, in, in the wireless market and in the YLAN market, not to confuse the, the two. Some people confuse wireless with, but accomplishing that is a huge needle mover for them, right? Like getting to two, three billion in revenue in that market at the expense of you know the market share leader or Juniper will really move the needle in the way that, you know, stock deals move when like something that hasn't been growing starts, starts at 10% category because these are, these are businesses that are built already with structural profitability. I mean, This company has been returning over 50% of free cash to shareholders annually. Right. So like you're, you're kind of just kind of set up for that. Like it should come down. You know, I, I, I personally think fair value of it is, you know, 43, 44 bucks or up somewhere around there. Like that's kind of where you get neutral. So like it was about 50% upside, uh, in my opinion, like that's not exactly like, you know, getting excited about some five, 10, whatever bagger, but the downside being really mitigated, uh, based on your cost basis and like what you see going on in the business and where you're at in this exact point in time. You don't expect to get clobbered, right? In the midst of an upgrade cycle, where everyone kind of just wants to rotate into that exposure, and you're seeing more more exaggerated elements of that anyway in this market. So, like that even works more in your favor in a name like this. Yeah, it's not like a a fertilizer or or an oil company, but shipper. It had yeah, it it has that relative. And you've seen it in the performance, right? I mean, in this really really kind of I mean, it made a new high. You know, how many how many names in tech made new fifty two week highs, you know at some point in the last two weeks. And so I managed to make a I managed to make a new high, which was like essentially a a new twelve year high. Hasn't been at these levels. I mean, I briefly flirted with these levels, you know, in two thousand ten when everybody got excited about Q fabric. That was it.
0: That is an quite impressive long term chart if you pull it up. Just because of the, again, we talk about two thousand all the time, but
1: yeah, it's twenty years of nothing. I mean, it was like a super hyper growth play, and uh, from ninety six to two thousand, it would be like the equivalent of getting excited about, you know, NVIDIA GPUs, right? Like, so like it had that going for it then, and like since then, you know, a lot of things happened. I mean, we can get more into the nitty gritty. Like, go to market was bad. Like the marketing message, like the You know, they've always had this really technically superior product, but like they haven't really been good at at selling it. And there's an argument that they're just like, they were lazy just dealing with the carriers, right? The carrier side of the business uh, kind of has uh, made it easy for them. And they also try, I mean, like everything they bought (laughs) didn't work. They tried to enter the ADC market, right? They did a deal there. They did a deal uh, where they tried to compete with Acme Packet, you know, in the session border controller market. Uh, They tried to compete with Riverbed, and then ended up turning around and partnering with them in the WAN optimization market. Like these were not like as big as the NetScreen deal in 04, but like they took little swings here and there, 100 million, 150 million, et cetera, et cetera, and none of them ever really turned into anything, right? And like finally, like they have one that's turned into a home run immediately. Which is surprising, you know, this, this 2019 uh, because that was not really on my radar. But like, yeah, I mean, like that's something that you need for businesses like this. So what if you figure that out before everybody and if you've noticed the sell side, I mean, like there was an analyst who went from cell to uh, networking renaissance, right? Uh, like a month or two ago, then the Citigroup analyst was on it last week. He put something out on Cisco where he was like, Cisco started to lose market share and it's having a tougher time with supply chain than Arista and Juniper. And by the way, Juniper is gaining share. And he took Juniper, which he added a sell and 24 target to neutral and like 38. Right. Like, so you're seeing them adjust, like even the most bearish. There's been a couple of guys who've been bullish who just kind of like, you know, telling you what management is telling you. Right. But you're seeing that the market recalibrate it in terms of uh coverage and people doing their work i mean i talked to one guy who was like he hated it and heard f5 and i was like yeah but i like these numbers and i like where they're sitting and it's more interesting here and like then f5 ended up missing and that caused like some anxiety in that like little window there because you're like i do i really want like what they just told us about supply chain four weeks ago to get materially worse uh you know that's like in one respect it would have set up an interesting opportunity with the stock but the stock had already come down with the market that like you got it back you got another shot to buy it at like 30.8 30.9 right before that earnings so i mean yeah i wouldn't bet the ranch on it but i think it's a good spot to be let's just say this like my thinking by the way like i thought this stock would get to 60 right like once once you're looking at like you know low double digits revenue growth and you know, a low let's call it twenties e p s growth you know for something at a close to ten percent free cash flow yield right like you would have expected the name in the tape that we had before you know to essentially double over six months <laughs> so like I mean, I, yeah, I, like I had a fair value of like forty, you know, two to forty-five dollars, which is where like you know you're essentially like the easy money has been made. But I didn't rule out that it could trade up to, you know, fifty-five, sixty. Of course, the things things like things drastically changed, and like your relative outperformance there has come from not being down thirty percent or forty percent. Right.
0: Yeah, that's 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 part of the story there and then also it just seems like it's I mean the way you've structured the how you're thinking about your upside it's it's one of these things of what should be expected now gets you to a fair value of 42 or whatever versus what you can hope for if all goes well with mist if that thesis plays out where there's something more to it. So yeah, it's a, it's a nice. I'm trying to think about. I've got that F five position, which I've sort of. Even though I think their growth story is this last bump aside has been growth story and capital return has been two expectations. It you know they basically, I think Elliot invested in them for a quarter and then dumped it, and they sort of already announced their plan and so on, but if you just look at the valuation now, it's just not as attractive in a more s- sort of value-oriented environment. On the one hand, I, also, I another-
1: that, that name is more complicated, though, right? Like, I mean, they've done like there's they they, they bought Nginx, like they bought Vilterra now, essentially to take on Cloudflare. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Sorry, yeah. no, no, no,
0: no. well and well I was the what I did was I ended up I, I still have that five but I've built up a bigger position in VMware which I got out of the Dell spin off but also VMware I, I know it, to me it feels boring but also a trading I forget what the number is now but I think under 15 times cash flow and should still be growing 8 9% so like I'm just trying to there's no enthusiasm around the stock. It's it's also kind of I've been adding to it around 110 or 120 and that's right where it is now. So, it's kind of I don't I think it's been a relative safe space. I'm trying to see I mean it's mean, it, essentially been a January. capital
1: return play since it IPO'd, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like you you you've gotten paid in returns. Yeah, and it's it's uh Versus stock price appreciation.
0: It's a question of whether that, if that story, yeah, they've always, you know, and everybody's been dying for them to become an independent company again, which they finally are. And so I guess it's sort of an interesting, to me, an interesting junction of, okay, let's see, the valuation seems reasonable. The story seems pretty, again, I I haven't gone to the level of detail you have, but.
1: I mean, VMware was the sexiest thing in infrastructure. Essentially, and software like from 2005 years to 2010. Ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, from yeah, from 2005 to I mean, it still continued. Uh, it's still very good business, but like, like essentially, the cloud shift is like if you want to talk about like where the the thematic guys moved, right? It became that narrative because virtualization was huge. I mean, it's what essentially kept a lid on the PC market. Uh, it kept a lid on the amount of money you had to spend on servers. And I mean, you would have thought in that like it would have worked out better for VMware shareholders because they did dominate it so thoroughly. Yeah,
0: and that's, yeah. I guess it's it's very possible that the growth story is no longer, is a long in the past and there's not enough to, but it just seems to me like Anyway, I, I bring that up not to necessarily hash out my position, but I just think about that. Like, I think about uh, exposure to tech right now. And obviously, you've thought a lot about why Juniper is a way to play it. And I'm just
1: thinking, okay, I can see how whether or not you would have software in your bucket or whatever. But, the
0: yeah, just trying to I'm just trying to imagine in this tech universe how these names all fit together. That's all. Like what makes I mean, sense in a diversified portfolio. You
1: never really know what turns these things into something new and bigger and how they evolve. Right. So, like, it's all again, it's that point in time. I was looking at Microsoft just recently. I've been like kind of writing something on it. I'm amazed at how it traded from 2002 to 2010 relative to the underlying fundamentals. Right. Like, what the benefit of hindsight now, I'm looking back and I'm like, geez, I didn't, I, I mean, was I bearish on it right here at this price? And like, is that crazy uh, with the benefit of hindsight that you actually were? Uh, because there was really nothing that you'd seen change in the business. Uh, I mean, it, other than it just being less sexy and less exciting and like, uh, you know, the, like being focused on disruption and the potentials for it. But like the reality is if you end up paying a very low multiple for these like structurally sound businesses, i.e. like when they grow, they grow profitably right there's there's just embedded optionality in all of them really okay i mean yeah you could end up with ibm and being trolled or whatever okay but the person who is willing to buy ibm uh was probably willing to buy microsoft and adobe so and those are you know 10 12x over the last decade and you know in a, in a steady steady fact yeah a lot of it has been the multiple expanding from like how ridiculously depressed it was okay it's not eye popping growth. It's like you're talking eight, nine percent, you know, operating income cagrs. But like when you're starting cost basis, is a fifteen percent free cash flow yield, right? Like if you do that for a decade on a scale business, yeah, you're gonna get like a hundred billion plus in, in return to you and buybacks on like a three hundred or a two hundred billion cost basis, right? And you're going to get a bunch of dividends and, you know, you're going to get some multiple expansion because ultimately that business has provided provided that durability, you know, it's going to end up at, you know, a a three, four, 5% yield. So like that's going to, that's essentially, you know, half your five X or whatever uh, that comes out of the multiple side. So, I mean, I think you can look at like, if you can, if you can pinpoint something that's working that you're excited about, which I'd say was a the mistake then, but I mean, I wasn't long term. Like I wasn't looking to buy something for for years, right? Like you have a you have a time frame of twelve months uh, to twenty four months to really catalyze what you're doing if like you're focused on those professionally. Like I went from being bearish on Microsoft in two thousand and ten to when Office three sixty five came out, being like, you know what, G Suite's not going to knock them off their perch. I'm long. It did nothing. Okay. Then I bought a bunch of calls right after uh the beanoff, uh, not beanoff, uh Ballmer stepped down in August of 13. Okay. And like two weeks later, they announced they're buying Nokia and the stock dropped like seven eight percent, right? It turned out it recovered very quickly and I didn't lose. Uh, but like I had no conviction to stay in. So I was like, why are you guys like, why is the board doing this uh with the CEO who said he's leaving? <laughs> You know, like, and why are you like I'm buying you for office, and like what you're starting to do with Azure and uh you know enterprise software, not phones, I don't care about phones, <laughs> you know like why do you need to be in the phone market what what's the like and and of Nokia of all things I mean at the time, both Nokia and Blackberry, of course, were like super distressed type of things, and it's like, what the hell are they doing but uh. Like, you if you actually thought about it, you overreacted because for them, you know, the five six billion they spent then was really a teeny slice of the overall enterprise value and profitability of the business. So you had a rock solid balance sheet underpinning it that could afford to take that loss, no problem. You know, I mean, when you're doing uh, you know thirty five billion in EBITDA, right, like five billion. Being written to zero, I mean, is it's not great, but it's probably it's probably not going to change the overall valuation of the business if it's if that valuation is coming from other areas. And that seems to be, you know, what like a company like that was able to do that, right? I think it didn't need to, but maybe they felt like they could like some things could pan out. It wasn't really clear then, by the way that like Apple would essentially turn into this, like, you know, not a phone, but really like a a, a lifestyle management device. Right. It's like, it's your wallet, it's your camera. uh, You know, it's everything. Uh, and uh, like, you know, take a swing, see if you can if you could make some progress in that direction. Obviously they didn't, but they'd made the moves that they needed to in the core business and the people overseeing that, which, you know, were Satya did the job that they needed to do uh, and for someone like me then it's no surprise you overreacted because you really focused on a reason for something that had gone nowhere while in the first two years of the office transition were happening uh, all of a sudden you're super excited about a re-rating and the exiting ceo after he says he's exiting you know announces uh, a new deal maybe that was the compromise by the way maybe it was like i'll approve you buying nokia <laughs> you know, like between him and Bill Gates, if you step down. Yeah. I have no idea. Again, we're but yeah. We're off topic. But I mean, like, well, yeah, we're back goes, where we started
0: in terms of board behind the scenes yeah. machinations.
1: I mean, it goes to saying though that like you can like it, like it's just like NVIDIA in 2015, right? People are like, Oh, you could have paid 50 times sales, you could have paid 100. like, yeah, but it wasn't growing, right? Well, like the core business supported the valuation. It didn't need to be growing. Like you were confident that it had the best gaming GPU, right? And like that could support a $7 billion market cap and enterprise value. You know, they had a ton of cash. Uh, But what ended up transpiring after that, you know, like, that those things have those new markets emerge, and like they gain traction, and like if you if you have a first mover advantage in one of them, you know it's a big deal. So like, yeah, I look at some of what's happening with what Jennifer's trying to do and saying this could be this could really pan out way better, right So uh I'm learning from my past and like you know, just being patient, because uh if you end up paying a really low multiple for something and you actually have done work that leads you to believe mm, there's, there's a growth engine that is starting to be unlocked uh, that could be material. I mean, that's how you do really well in the stock price. And like you will evaluate it as time, you know, as time passes, right? Like if there's more reasons for you to be excited about the market, you learn more about the market and so on and so forth. I think that's a really summing up place to end in terms of the thesis and also i think
0: reflects on what we talked about earlier with twitter and what we talk about a lot about both getting behind a improving story and getting in at the right multiple so yeah interesting stuff um okay why don't we just uh leave it there sounds good all right
1: good stuff akram no problem
0: thank you for listening to the razor's edge Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at @DanielShortman Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Shortman Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel.